all of our sins, that he loved us that much. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come and worship together, to sing to you, to serve you. The blessing that every day is as you lavish your grace and mercy on us. So we ask that as we sing this morning and read your word and share it together that your spirit would be here to encourage us, to help us grow in Jesus Christ, to be a little bit more like him. Use these words and your word this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Starting with a great hymn, Rejoice, the Lord is King. It's a, uh, I guess it, it's one of those hymns that there, there's several hymns written to the same um, song, so you'll be familiar with it once we get started. And it has an interesting chorus on the very end that talks about waiting for Jesus Christ to come back and waiting for him. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing, and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. The Lord our Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our sins, he took his seat above. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. His kingdom cannot fail, He rules the earth and heaven. The keys of death let us give. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again. I say rejoice, rejoice in glorious hope. Our Lord the Judge shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. We soon shall hear the angel's voice, the trump of God shall sound rejoice. We soon shall hear went to a Christian college when I was there we had I had one um, person that I went to school with who was a great evangelist it was funny he 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 would share with anybody anytime and he had unusual ways of grabbing people's attention and one time he went to the dump was unloading things and somebody next to him started cussing up a blue streak. And he said, did you hear that? I thought I heard a trumpet. Did you hear a trumpet? And the other guy's looking at what? He says, yeah, I'm waiting for God's trumpet, man. They were all out of here. Started sharing with him the gospel. <laughs> that, that reminds me of that. We're waiting for the archangel's voice and the trump of God. 
and we're out of here. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. My strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone Can change the leper's spots And melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain it white as snow for nothing I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he did white as snow and when before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to say my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow thank you, you may be seated looking today about <clears throat> the resume of Jesus all the things the jobs that he accomplished here on earth an amazing list and one of those is that he's our redeemer that he was willing to die on the cross to pay for all the sins and buy our souls back from sin and from destruction and from hell. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Jesus, my Redeemer, 
Messiah, hope for sinners slain. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. When I stand in glory, I shall see his face, and there I'll serve my King forever in that holy Father, forgiving us your Son, and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. And leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. One of the other jobs of Jesus Christ, one of the great things that he's accomplishing even today is that he's an advocate for us in heaven, which we've done and are doing, yet Jesus Christ stands before the Father as our advocate, our lawyer, and says that sin's been paid for. No more condemnation. There's nothing that Satan can do before the throne of of God, I have a strong and perfect plea because of the great high priest who's there, Jesus Christ. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. The great high priest whose name is love Whoever lives and pleads for me My name is graven on his hands My name is written on his heart I know that while no tongue can bid me thence depart no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair And tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on Him and pardon me To look on Him and pardon me Be 
Behold him at the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is filled with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is filled with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. It's an amazing song, an amazing truth. One more before we have our um, the Word of God broken to us. In Christ alone, my hope is found. I hope that that's true of all of us. I have no hope in my own abilities, my own righteousness, anything that I can do. When I stand before the throne one day, the only reason I'm going to be able to stand there is my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and because of what Christ did. In Christ alone, my hope is found. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what doomed when striving seas. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, Light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his. 
and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Good morning. Today's reading is in the Gospel of John, the first chapter and the first 14 verses. Feel free to read along in a Bible you brought yourself or one in the pews, or uh, be blessed by listening. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent, by, sent from God, whose name is John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was a true light which coming into the world enlightened every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of flesh, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth.
for sending your son to come down here, Lord, to, uh, to give us the light. And, Lord, to give us salvation through his death in the cross. Lord, thank you that, uh, that, Lord, that the more that I learn about Jesus, Lord, the more I am in awe of him. And, and Lord, that, uh, that the, more that, uh, the more that I follow him, and I pray that would be true of each and every one of us. Uh, Lord, that thank you that you gave us the right to become your children by your will, by your choice, available to everyone who would turn from their sins and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of the word, and the preaching. Uh, Lord, thank you for Steve, Lord. I, I thank you that you have gifted him with the ability to create music that lifts you up and, Lord, that, that holds you in worship. Lord, I pray that you would put on him, uh, Lord, in his mind what you would want us to hear and that we would listen and take to heart of what you would have him teach us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Steve is in a frozen wasteland somewhere, I think, Idaho or somewhere well north of here, and he's not enjoying the same kind of weather we are. Um, and uh, as usual, when, when you teach, you learn a lot more than what you can share. It's, it's, it seems like uh, you can never share everything that God has shown you, but I pray that I can do some of that this morning. We're going to be looking at what I call the resume of Jesus. Now, Jesus obviously is not looking for a job, and he doesn't have to write up a resume. But it's amazing as you look at all the things that the Bible tells us that he has done, is doing, and will do, that it's beyond our comprehension of what it is. He's, he doesn't need to pad his resume. I don't know if any of you all have written a resume before, but sometimes we have a tendency to write things in there that not stretching the truth. We actually did, or creative writing. I know I was a um, janitor at a church once, and when you write that on your resume, you put maintenance engineer, so everybody knows that you were doing an important job. As far as Jesus goes and the resume... We're only, we only got, you know, 45 minutes this morning to talk about it, and it's beyond anything we could really grasp. But John 21, 25, when the Apostle John got through writing his book, this is the last thing he said about Jesus Christ. He said, there are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written down in detail, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books which were written. So we, we have four Gospels, and we look at those, and somehow we think that's Jesus' whole life and everything he did here on earth. But it doesn't go into detail of every person that he healed and what happened and what their life was like before and after he did it. It doesn't talk about the teaching that on the Sermon on the Mount, hour after hour, people just soaked in all that he shared. It doesn't talk about his... Um, his crucifixion and what he 
felt while he was there, all of the things that are true of that. The world could not really contain all of that. But we're going to try just this morning to look at the highlights of what the Bible says that Jesus did for his jobs. The first one we're going to start off with is the Creator. Now, I know a lot of people, when you read the Bible, it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the world and the earth, and we kind of think of God the Father doing that. The word that's used in the Old Testament is Elohim, which is actually a plural word. It's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When um, he read from John this morning, that same um, verse says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things that came into being were by him, and apart from him nothing came into being. Jesus Christ was the agent through which God used to create all of the universe. He's the one that spoke the word and it came into being. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him are all things that were created, both in heaven and on earth. And Hebrews 1.2 says, In the last days God has spoken unto us in his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also he made the world. So although we think, and in general, uh, I guess in in Sunday school, Bible lessons, everybody's thinking God the Father did all the creation. But in reality, the first job that Jesus had in history was the creator of the world. All the universe, all that you see, they just put a new telescope out there that sees all the way to I I can't even imagine. And as far as they can see, there's more planets. There's more stars. There's more asteroids. There's more comets. There's no end to the universe that man can see right now. All of that Jesus Christ spoke into being with a word. Everything we see now, people are trying to say, oh, everything you see around you, the trees, the animals, all those things, all that just happened. It, It evolved over all this time. No, it was created. There's too, too perfect of, a, of everything in that, of order, to show that there was some mind behind all that, some will, and Jesus Christ was that. The other part of that same idea is that Jesus is the sustainer of the world. Jesus holds the world, the universe, together. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says of Jesus, in verse 16 he says, By him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things consist. That verb, that word there means to hold together. The other verse is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. We read about him, God using Jesus to create the world. It says that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, and that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Our, our universe is made up of I don't even know what the word is, gazillions of atoms. Your body is made up of billions. An atom is a group of positive protons in the middle of it and negative electrons spinning around it. 
If you know anything about magnetism, what happens when you get a positive and a negative near each other? Boom, two magnets will just jump together. So why is not every atom in the universe just folding in on itself and collapsing? Scientists don't know. They call it nuclear glue. Um, it's actually Jesus and the word of his power holding everything together. The, what, the um, earth itself spins on its axis. You're going to love this. A thousand miles an hour. You can't tell that. You're sitting here. You're, you're traveling a thousand miles an hour right now, spinning around the world. The earth spins around the sun in orbit. Let me get it straight. 67,000 miles an hour. The earth is spinning around. So you're going a thousand miles an hour this way. You're going 67,000 miles an hour this way. I didn't really look up the solar system, but the galaxy that we're in is called the Milky Way. The Milky Way galaxy is actually spinning around the universe. The whole, the whole universe is spinning. And the uh, galaxy that we're in is spinning at 1.3 million miles an hour around the universe. <laughs> so what keeps all of us from just going out into space somewhere? Gravity, they call it. I call it the power of Jesus holding us here on earth. All the things that man has discovered, he's discovered gravity, they, uh, he's discovered inertia, he's discovered um, electricity, magnetism, um, mass and power and all those things together. Notice I use the word discovered. Man didn't make any of those things. We have laws that govern all of them, and those laws man has studied. You realize that right now there's a scientist that can tell you to the exact millimeter where the moon is right now around the earth. Why can they tell that? Because the moon goes around the earth at the exact speed, and it's been doing that since time began. And the earth spins around the sun. That's why they could send, put somebody in a rocket ship, sail him off into, the, into space, and land him on a moon thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away at an exact point, get him back up in the air and bring him all the way back and link him back on Earth. They do all that because the rules, the laws that govern this Earth are exact and never change. And all of those rules, all of those laws are the power of Jesus Christ holding this world together, making the universe what it is. sustainer of the earth. Number three, Jesus is the director of history. Realize that all through history, everything was moving forward to one point in time when Jesus Christ would come to this earth. Start all the way back with Adam and Eve, and, and he promised that he would send the seed of the woman to save us. He chose one man, Noah, and his family to survive the flood and come out and start again. He chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph to save the whole world from starvation and to preserve a line through which he would bring his son. He chose Moses to lead two million people out into the wilderness to a promised land. Joshua, the judges, David, Solomon, all of those things in a perfect order. It didn't just happen. It's just random circumstances that all these people came into being and that they had kids who had kids who 
one day would be this. God wrote it down <laughs> before it ever happened to promise that this was what was going to be. He told us the son of David was going to sit on the throne forever, thousands of years before Jesus ever was on this earth. God had a plan all along, and Jesus Christ orchestrated that plan all the way through history to the point we read in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. The fullness of time. And when you look at history, it was the first time in history they had one language, the Greek language had been spread across the whole world. The Romans had come and made a road system so you could travel all the known world. All of the, the Greeks had also brought in all this philosophy and people were wondering who they were and why they were. The, the, the world was ripe. It was perfectly in order for Jesus Christ to come and God worked everything out so in that one second in time he would send his son. He wasn't born to a king and a palace. He was predicted to be born in a little village of just a few people, Bethlehem, and it came true. He, was, he wasn't born to a queen and all the royal thing. He was born to a single 15 or 16-year-old girl. All of those things God told us all through the Old Testament he was going to do, and he worked everything out. Jesus predicted all of history and worked it out so that he would come at the perfect time. The fourth job, fifth job that Jesus had was the one we're most familiar with, God-man. He came to earth as a human being. Somehow God could become a man. He could come in a human form. He could be one of us. Jesus Christ was that. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word, it's referring to Jesus Christ, was God. He, Philippians 2.6-8 says, He existed in the form of God, but he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and was found in fashion as a man. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. We can't understand, but when Philip asked Jesus, he says, boy, if we could just see the Father for one second, we'd be satisfied. Jesus says, have I been here so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. One point on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus let just a little bit of that glory slip out and all the disciples were flat on their faces. God became a man. He could come to this earth, take on human form, and yet still be God. And Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God. He was the God-man. And in that form, in that job, he accomplished so much. 
Number one, he was a carpenter. Uh, Matthew 13:55 says, "Is this not the carpenter's son?" And Mark 6:3, talking of Jesus, they said, "Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary?" Now, a carpenter in Jesus' time was not what you're thinking about a carpenter. He's got the power saws and the levels and all this power tools to do everything. A carpenter in those days worked with his hands and chisels and adzes and saws and they had they were also masons so they worked with stone they considered that that part of carpentry they build houses that way so jesus probably what do you figure maybe eight or nine years old started learning his father's trade he became a carpenter so maybe over 20 years jesus was a carpenter doing that kind of labor I can guarantee he had calluses on his hands and he had a muscular body from doing that kind of work. Give you an example of that to think about. When Jesus went to the temple and he found all those guys exchanging money and selling all the animals and everything, what did he do? He picked up a cord of of like a whip and he ran them out. Now, if you think Jesus was some mamby-pamby kid, weak kid you think he could run all those guys out of that temple i think he was a man's man i think he was a a muscular hard working he understood what it was like to work to sweat to to have calluses on your hands and to ache at night when you came home from a hard day's work jesus christ was a man and he was a carpenter that was the kind of man he was when he was doing that job, he also learned in Luke 2.51, it said that he was in subjection to his parents, that he learned discipline. He learned what it was like to be under somebody else's authority, and he asks us now to be under his. He also learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Hebrews 5.8 says that. So as Jesus went through the trials and tribulations of life, he learned to be obedient to his Father. This is what you're asking of me in my life, and I'm willing to submit to you and do the things you ask me to do. So Jesus was a person who understood everything what it was like to be a man or a woman in this harsh world. You can't come to God and say, you don't understand what it's like to be a man. You don't understand what it's like to be a woman, to be in this world and have to have a my aching back and all these things. Jesus Christ understood that. That's why he became a man, to understand those things and to be a high priest for us who was like that. Number two, Jesus was a rabbi as he was the God-man. That, that rabbi is a teacher, a trainer of men specifically in uh, the Jewish faith, all the things from the Bible. And there was never anybody else who could be the rabbi that Jesus Christ was. No one could ever be the teacher that he was. No one understood the word of God. He was the word. (laughs) So he could teach the word like nobody else. Um, At age 12, he goes to the temple. His mom, if you remember the story, his mom and dad... We're going up to uh, one of the feasts, and they would travel as a huge caravan, and when everything was done, they started traveling home. Well, 
they just assumed he was with uncles and aunts and cousins and everything else, and they got a little ways away, and they realized, hey, I ain't seen Jesus in a while. Where in the world is he? They start asking around, going through the, all the caravan of their relatives. Nobody's seen him. They have to run back to Jerusalem in a panic, wondering where he is. They find him in the temple. You remember what he's doing? He's sitting with the teachers and the scribes and talking back and forth, asking questions, answering questions. And it says in Matthew 7, uh, Luke 2, 47, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. You're talking about scribes and Pharisees and teachers who had been studying the Word of God for years and years and thought they were experts. And a 12-year-old young boy is there astounding them at his knowledge of God's Word. In Matthew 7, 29, um, he was the, the Sanhedrin. He was teaching with in the temple and things, and so a lot of times they would send people out. to. They kept trying to arrest him because they didn't like what he was doing, that he was making himself out to be a rabbi and knowing all these things. So they sent these temple guards to go grab him and bring him back, arrest him. And they come back empty-handed. And the Pharisee says, why don't you bring him back, man? We gave you an order. And the, the guard says, never a man speaks the way this guy speaks. <laughs> he was so floored by the teaching of Jesus Christ, he couldn't even arrest him. He says, I got no right to arrest this guy. Nobody ever spoke like this. Think of this, the Sermon on the Mount and the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, he had thousands of people listening to him, and they sat there all day long, mesmerized. Nobody wanted to go home, nobody saying, I got to run to 7-Eleven and get a quick sandwich and a, and a Slurpee, I'm, I'm not going to make it out here. In fact, when he fed the 5,000 and got to the end of the day, and everybody's fixing to leave, and Jesus said, I can't send them home this hungry. They've been here all day listening, and he fed them. So he drew these crowds everywhere he went. Crowds come out of every city, every town, everywhere around there, because Jesus is teaching, and they wanted to go hear the teaching of Jesus. Luke 20, 19 to 47, they have three different times that the Pharisees come. The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, three different groups. You would think they'd learn after the first one. The Pharisees come and they're griping about him not paying taxes. You know, you don't, if you don't pay taxes, then you're, you're not a friend of Caesar. And you think we should pay taxes? No, they're trying to catch him in a lie, trying to catch him do something. He says, show me the coin. Whose, fa whose face is on that? Okay, give him that one and give yourself to God because his likeness is on you. They went away all embarrassed. Sadducees came, same story. The, the scribes come. Jesus just confounded them. They had nothing to say. Every time in the scripture that you find somebody trying to trick Jesus to catch him in some way and trip him up, they get made fools of. The woman taken in adultery. They all got stones in their They got standing there with stones in their hands waiting for him to say, yeah, you got a stoner. He writes in the sand, probably all their own sins. Everybody drops the rocks and walks away. Jesus was such a teacher 
beyond our comprehension because he was the word of God. He knew the word of God. He wrote the word of God. And he taught the word of God. Number three, as the God-man, he was a healer. Every disease that you can name and even death, Jesus healed. Um, blind man, John chapter 9, he makes clay out of spittle and puts it on his eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool, and he washes, and all of a sudden he's got his eyesight. This is a man that's been blind since he was born. And the Pharisees, you know, where, what happened to you? Well, I, Jesus healed me. And they kick him out of the church, out of the synagogue, because he was standing up for Jesus and recognizing who did the, the healing. Mark 7, a deaf man, he put his fingers in his ears and instantly the man could hear. Um, Matthew 9, there was a man that was demon-possessed and Jesus cast the demon out. He was dumb, he couldn't speak, and all of a sudden he could speak perfectly. And you know, you'll notice in all of these healings, Jesus didn't just make them a little bit better, like the guy that was blind didn't, well, now he needs glasses. <laughs> He had 20-20 vision, I promise you, when Jesus healed him. The guy that heard, he never had a hearing aids. He could hear everything perfectly. The guy that could speak, he didn't lisp. He didn't have any problems with his voice. Jesus healed him. When he healed, he healed the way that he could. Lame, John chapter 5, is a man by the pool. Jesus says, don't you want to be healed? He says, every time I get up to get in the pool, I can't get there. And somebody else gets there first. Jesus says, pick up your bed, walk home. Picks up his bed instantly. His legs and his ankles received strength, and he walked away carrying his own bed. Um, people who were deformed, he had a withered hand, and Jesus says, stretch it out. He touched him, and, and his hand was instantly healed. Internal bleeding. They don't even say what it is, but some woman had had some kind of an internal bleeding issue for years, years, and years. She comes, Jesus doesn't even touch her. She touches the hem of his garment, and she's instantly healed. Demon-possessed, they had people that were in the tombs. They put chains on this guy. He was breaking chains. Everybody was scared to death. He was going to come out and kill everyone. Jesus said a word, and all the demons left him. And then he could heal the, the dead. To raise him from the dead. The little girl, they laughed him to scorn. She had just died. He went in the room, raised her from the dead. He sees a widow with her only son in a funeral procession, probably been dead just a day. Jesus stops the procession, grabs the young man, and he's instantly raised to life. Lazarus, four days in the grave, he was stinky at this point dead, starting to decay. Jesus said the word, Lazarus come forth, and out of the tomb he came. They had to take all the grave clothes off of him. Jesus Christ was the real deal, the healer. There was no fakeness about anything he did. Everything was perfection in the healing that he did. Luke 4.40, they, they talk one time, while the sun was setting, all who had any sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying hands on every one of them, he was healing them. He spent all night a lot of times in houses and stuff, healing people from all of the diseases. 
That's the kind of healer Jesus was. Number four, he was a prophet. Prophets were people who were foretellers, telling forth the word of God, and they were foretellers, telling what was going to happen in the future, and Jesus did both of those things. In Deuteronomy 18.18, God told Moses, One day I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. As Jesus was teaching, a lot of times you'll see in there the scriptures, the people would say, is this the prophet? They knew. They knew the scripture that there was going to come a prophet like Jesus. And they, they didn't just say, is this a prophet? They were saying, is this the prophet? Is this the one that God prophesied he would send? Jesus was a fourth teller. He told God's word in John eight twenty eight. He said, I do nothing on my own. But I speak these things as the Father has taught them to me. And John 17, 8, when he was praying in the garden, he said, For the words which you gave me, all the words that you gave me, I have given to them. At the end of his life, Jesus could say, Everything you wanted me to tell these people, I've told them. Everything that you wanted me to tell them, I've told them. He also was a fourth, a foreteller, telling the future, prophesying. Jesus prophesied many times. The woman at the well, <laughs> he starts telling her, he's never even met her before. He's telling her about her whole history. Yeah, I know you were married five times. The guy you're with now, you're not married, all this stuff. She goes, I perceive you're a prophet. And when she found everybody, she said, this is the guy. He's the one that we've been talking about. Uh, John in John uh, thirteen thirty eight, Peter says, I don't care what, what anybody says, I will never deny you, Jesus. Jesus says, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Twice, you're going to deny me three times. And it happened. Jesus told the disciples as they were fixing to go into Jerusalem on uh, Palm Sunday. He says, go into town over there, you're going to find a guy, and you'll see there's a donkey tied his colt is right beside him. Go get that colt and bring it in here. <laughs> they go to the town. There's the guy. There's the donkey. There's the colt. They bring it back. Jesus rides it into town. He could see it. He could, he could predict those things. He's being led to be crucified. The women are crying for him. He says, don't cry for me. Cry for Jerusalem. won't be very long. There won't be one stone left upon another. When the Romans get rid of this place. Um, Jesus predicted about the end time. Some of those haven't happened yet. He's talking about the rapture, the coming of the Antichrist, all those things are still yet to be that he prophesied that haven't come yet. And he prophesied his death time and time again. He's told his disciples, we're going to Jerusalem and the Pharisees are going to grab me. They're going to take me and try me. They're going to crucify me, and I'm going to die for the sins of the world. They kept saying, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Uh, we're not going to let that happen. But Jesus foretold all these things before any of them ever came to be. He was a foreteller. He was a prophet. Number five, Jesus was a Messiah, the Messiah. He was called the Christ, which is the anointed one, 
Messiah means the chosen one or the sent one. He was the suffering Savior and the conquering Deliverer, but only one the first time he was here. In the Old Testament, the Messiah, you'll find hundreds of prophecies of what the Messiah is going to be. Some of them talk about the Messiah who's going to be the suffering Savior. He was going to come and die for the sins of the world. He would be bruised for our transgressions and wounded for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace would be upon him. And then sometimes it's talking about him coming as the conqueror who's going to destroy the enemies of the Jews and once again make them God's people and resurrect them as a, as a nation, make them the greatest nation on earth. And the Jews, they liked one better than the other, I can tell you that. If you had to choose for yourself, which one would you rather have coming? <laughs> All of us would rather have the conquering hero who's going to lead us into our glory once again. But Jesus came the first time as the suffering Savior. When he was reading from the book of Isaiah, he was at the temple and they, gave, they handed him the scroll to read and he read from Isaiah 61. This is the verse that he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and it says he right there, he stopped in the middle of a verse and he rolled the scroll back up and he handed it back to him. He says, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. What he didn't read was the second half of that verse that says, and the day of vengeance of our God. That's still to come. That prophecy, that part of the messianic prophecy will still be fulfilled and Jesus Christ will be that Messiah when he comes back the second time. Two distinct pictures. Jesus only fulfilled the first one the first time he was here. Matthew one twenty one, The angel told Mary, You shall call his name Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah saves. Because... He will save his people from their sins. Jesus' name, the very first time he came, the very first thing that's said about him is that he was going to be the redeemer, the savior of the world, and save the world from its sins. There are pictures in the Old Testament of Jesus as that Messiah, the uh, Passover lamb that was slain, the blood put on the door in the, in the form of a cross, showing that one day another lamb would be slain for the sins of the world and that God would pass over our sins and save us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Leviticus 16 has a um, sacrifice that's made with two goats and one is the scapegoat, the sins, one is killed and its blood is put on the other and it's led off to the wilderness, showing that the sins of Israel were put on that goat and carried away. And Jesus was that sacrifice that the sins of Israel, the sins of all of us, were put on him, and he was hung on a cross to die for our sins. Jesus accomplished all of that messiahship when he was here. 
when he was on the cross. John chapter 19, the very last phrase that Jesus said was, it is finished. He accomplished the work, the first half of the Messiahship that God sent him to do. And now we wait for Jesus to come back the second time and fulfill all the messianic promises that are in the Old Testament as well. Now, most people's resume ends when they die, okay? You, you don't do anything after that, you're, you're in heaven. There's no more work to be done. Jesus Christ is the only one whose resume has just as much after he dies as it does before because his death was but for three days. And God the Father raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he gave him more work to do, a lot more work to do. Jesus Christ right now is in the presence of God. He's sitting beside God on his throne. And he's accomplishing all the work that God desires for him to do in heaven. We're not going to talk about, I don't have time this week because there's so much more to go. And Steve promised me that I get to teach one more time before the year is out. So the second half, you have to come back, sorry, if you want to hear the second half of it. The second half talks about all the things that Jesus is doing now, both in heaven and one day when he comes back to earth, fulfilling that Messiahship. I'm not going to tell you what they all are. I, I could list them all for you, but I will say a few of them. He's our, in heaven now, he's our high priest, our advocate. He's the head of the church, the bridegroom, our master. Um, and one day he's going to come back. He's going to be the avenger as he brings the wrath of God on this world. He's going to be the ruler of this world ruling and reigning with a rod of iron. He's going to be the judge. One day all the world will stand. It says God has given him all authority and all the world will stand before his throne. And we as Christians too will stand before a throne to receive our rewards. He's going to be a rewarder. So much more Jesus Christ has work to be done and so much he's doing right now in heaven. It's amazing, and I'm excited to talk about it, and we'll go into a lot more of that next time. But it's amazing what Jesus accomplished here on earth. Just if, if all the things were written in detail, the world would not be able to contain it. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word as it teaches us about you, your love for us, the amazing things that you did and are doing. We try and grasp, and, and your Bible is so limited as what you did. You probably healed hundreds of thousands of people in so many miraculous ways, and we have but maybe a hundred examples of things you did. And we can't understand what it was like to be God in a human body and experience all the emotions and pains and sufferings that you did and we cannot imagine being perfect being sinless and having the sins of the world placed upon us 
You are an amazing Savior and God. We praise you for all the work that you did for us, that you are doing for us, and we're just excited to see one day we'll be beside your, your side and watch you become the rightful king of this universe. Take your place here. Thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. morning. Uh, for upcoming events, uh, we have for November the 2nd, we have the uh, Prophecy Bible Study at 645 uh, here in the Fellowship Hall. Also in November 4th, we had the uh, men's meeting at 630. That is uh, a great time for us men to to get together, uh, share a meal, and uh, and get into the Word. Uh, for me, it's an awesome time. So if you're able, please come. November 9th, uh, we had the Bible study. Uh, Steve is going to be sharing on John 15, uh, verses 1 through 8. That's at 645. And also the big event of the year, which is November the 12th, that's the uh, church barbecue. So you are welcome to come, invite your friends. And also this year we're doing uh, something a little bit different as far as the gift. If you have come to these events, you remember that always Steve gives a little things here and there. This year, we're going to go a little bit different. We are going to give gift cards. George has gone, the church is going to provide a few of them, but if a God places it in your heart, you are welcome to donate. If you like some gift card, donate them, and that would be great. So that is uh, November the 12th at 5 p.m. Also with that, we have a, the church is going to provide the main course will be hot dogs and barbecue. I mean hot dogs and, and hamburgers. And barbecue, and also we're gonna have a signing sheet for uh, side dishes. If you are willing to bring uh, some of those, uh, will be a signing sheet in the back in the table. You can uh, place there. What, what would you like to bring? As also, we have, uh, as some of you know, uh, Bruce's mother graduated to heaven uh, last Wednesday, and just continue for to pray for Bruce and the family. They provide the comfort as. Uh, they miss her here f- physically for a moment. So just keep her, keep her Steve and family and, uh, I mean, Bruce and her family and the prayers. Um, now we have the last two songs. And also for the offering, you are welcome to uh, give in the, on the website. And also we have the little box on the table. Thank you. Have a great week. Feels like I was just up here. <laughs> All right, if you would join us for the last two songs and stand if you can. Um, this we- I picked all the songs this week, and I knew what I was teaching on, so I tried to pick all the ones that talk about the things that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And um, this is a great tribute to what Jesus has truly accomplished for us. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor can any mind conceive 
all that God has prepared for us who love him and believe. to uh, 
be singing in heaven as we gather around the throne, recognize that Jesus Christ is the king of all heaven, the king of all the universe. Crown him with many crowns. soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity crown him the lord of love behold his hands and side rich wounds yet visible above beauty glorified no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight but downward bends his wandering eye that mystery so bright crown him the lord of life who triumphed o'er the grave victorious in the strife for those he came to save his glories now we see who died and was on high who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die crown him the lord of heaven Father known, one with the Spirit through him given from yonder glorious throne. To thee be endless praise, for thou for us hast died. Be thou, O Lord, through endless days, adored and magnified. Be thou, O Lord, through endless days, adored and magnified. Oh, Steve's not here, so I get you. You want to do it, Bruce? You want me to do it? <laughs> All right, let's just uh, be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you for the fact that you are crowned with many crowns. You are the king of all creation. You're the king of our lives and our hearts. Help us to live that way this week, in Jesus' name, amen.